Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a fun little show that my family occasionally watches on Netflix. If you've seen it, it's called Nailed It. Maybe you have, and if you haven't, the premise is still simple. Three amateur bakers are given a picture of a dessert, the ingredients, a recipe, and 40 minutes or so to make their dessert match the photo. And then when they're finished, the guest says, Nailed it! Even though, usually they don't. This time of the year can often feel like living in an episode of Nailed It. Hopes and expectations of life run high. We want our food and festivities, our decorations and dinner plans, our parties and presents to be just right. And yet so often, we don't nail it. In fact, it often feels like the Grinch steals our hopes and expectations along with everything else in Whoville. Maybe, our Christmas dessert or decorations turn out nothing like they did on Pinterest. Maybe we find ourselves like Ralphie, disappointed that the long-expected BB Ryder gun isn't quite what he thought it would be. Or flummoxed like Clark Griswold and his comedic disaster of a Christmas vacation. But one way or the other, sooner or later, we end up learning a hard truth in life, that reality and our expectations don't always match, do they? Well, in Matthew chapter 11, expectations are high as well. John, the Baptist, no doubt, had certain expectations, as many did in his day, about who the Messiah would be, what he would do when he came. The crowds that followed John around in the wilderness also had expectations. They heard his fiery preaching, they heard the Messiah was coming and they were ready to receive him, but still, there were some uncertain things about his coming, some strange things that didn't quite meet their expectations. But John did identify the Messiah correctly. It is Jesus, he is the coming one, and yet what he sees and what he hears doesn't seem to match his preaching. Instead of judgment and a winnowing fork and unquenchable fire, Jesus comes with compassion and humility. He comes in weakness. John's expectations don't seem to match the reality of what Jesus' work is doing. So he asks, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Those crowds that followed John, they had their expectations too. They heard the preaching. They heard the repentance and forgiveness. They heard the arrival of the kingdom and reign of God that was coming. And yet Jesus asks them, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A celebrity? A wilderness sideshow, perhaps? No, of course not. A prophet? Yes, a prophet. But more than a prophet, too. Truth is, Jesus does not come as John expected him to, nor the crowds either. But that is, in fact, good news for us, because even though Jesus does not come as we expect, his unexpected coming gives us everything that we need. In fact, more gives us his unexpected mercy, his undeserved grace, his unconditional love that comes in his birth 
and his life laid down for us, in his rising from the dead for us. It gives us, in fact, a far happier ending than we could have ever imagined or expected. But still, we have that feeling, that lingering question. Our expectations and God's reality don't seem to always match up. And maybe it's not hard to imagine why John would ask such a question that he did as he's in prison. He, no doubt, was wrestling, doubting, wondering, maybe asking, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? I said all the right things. I did what God sent me to do. I proclaimed Jesus, the coming Messiah, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. I preached repentance and forgiveness in His name. I was at the Jordan when the heavens opened up. I heard the Father's voice. I saw the dove descend. Yet, here I sit, in prison, in the dark. Are you the one? At some point, we've probably all been where John was, sitting in some kind of prison, maybe not physical, but perhaps emotional, or mental, or spiritual, or any other kind of prison. We've all been there at some point with John in the dark, wrestling, or doubting, Wondering, asking the same question John asked. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And so often our expectations seem to be greeted not with fulfillment, but with disappointment. Perhaps from within, maybe disappointment in others. Sometimes it may even feel that God himself is disappointing us when the cancer doesn't go away after the treatments, when the job interview doesn't go well, when the marriage or family or close friendship falls apart, when our own sin or guilt weighs us down, when fear or doubt or anxiety grip us and leave us helpless. John's questions give voice to our own. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when everything looks hopeless for John, he is after all in prison that will lead to his beheading. When everything looks hopeless, when all our expectations have failed, that's exactly and precisely when God does his greatest work for us. That's when God does what he always does, when he takes something that looks hopeless and lost and dead and makes it into something of, full of life and joy, when he takes nothing and creates it into something, light in the darkness, hope for hopeless people, power and glory and majesty of God himself, but wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in an infant boy, and then later stretched out on the cross for you. You see, John is not left alone. Jesus does not leave John or us in the darkness. Jesus responds with signs, signs of healing and a new creation. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the unclean are clean again, the dead rise, the poor have good news preached to them. These signs reveal to faith what the eyes of John and perhaps us don't always see in the world around us. But it's there by Jesus' promise all the same. 
The kingdom of God has come in Jesus. The Son of God has come in flesh, our own flesh, as our brother and our redeemer. The age of the Messiah has finally dawned after prophets and prophets have foretold up until the day of John. The light shines in the darkness even as the darkness seems to prevail. May even seem to have the upper hand. After all, John is in prison. And Herod may be able to temporarily silence this preacher, but the Lion of Judah is running loose in Herod's kingdom, and Jesus has come to deal with sin and death once and for all. That's what he came to do in his birth and his dying and his rising again. So whatever the expectations of John were, whatever John's expectations of the Messiah were, and whatever our expectations of Jesus might be, we have something, in fact someone, far greater in Jesus. A Messiah who comes to be baptized with sinners to take on our sin. A humble Savior who eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners. The Alpha and the Omega who comes and dwells with the least and the lost and the last ones and us who are lonely. The Lord of life who comes and conquers death by diving headlong into the darkness for us. It's unexpected to be sure, but joyful. Is there power in the reign of Jesus, we wonder? Maybe John did too. Yes, there is. Power in his word, that word of repentance that brings forgiveness of sins, 